Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. To connect and collaborate with extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. Hey, I'm Julia Gifford, the co-founder of TrueSix.co, the content marketing and PR agency for tech companies that need written English language content, as well as the editor of Labs of Latvia, the only Latvian startup news platform. I am based in Riga, Latvia. So I've always loved writing and it seems to come naturally and I really enjoy it and I love like what motivates me beyond anything is spreading the the news about Latvia and I it's weird little like patriotistic patriotic that's the word patriotic, patriotic little yeah. quirk and Which is uh, funny because you're Canadian yeah well born and raised in Canada but half Latvian and half British by descent so uh, but it's also kind of an, a really nice underdog story so I just love seeing the underdog win when did you move to Latvia from Canada um after high school, I came to study in university. Yeah, so I was while I was studying, I started working part-time for Draugiem, and then when I graduated, then I started working full-time. And you just love it there. I do. It's really great. But yeah. I didn't answer your question yeah. about how I yes, got yes, to Labs yes, of yes, Latvia. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> what a terrible interviewer I am. <laughs> but yeah, so then I was invited to um, write for Labs of Latvia as well, in addition to uh, full-time work, to write about the Latvian startup ecosystem. And I think it's one of the most awesome roles to have because I get to do my cheerleading thing. <laughs> oh, and you do this cool thing. So um, Julia organized... Well, two things. She organizes an amazing startup tour, so I would love for you to talk a little bit about that. But on the startup tours, the first time I saw that she wears this like <laughs> branded crown, and so now it's very weird to me when I see her without the crown. <laughs> what is this crown? Why do you all wear one? Who is it? Mm-hmm. Who is you all? And then tell us about the startup tour too. Right. So the crowns are worn by my my team at True Six, the startup um, content marketing and PR agency. And we started wearing the crown, which is, it's a modernized version of the Latvian ethnic folk costume crown that would have been worn hundreds of years ago by, by, by girls, women in, in Latvia. And 
it came about because we were myself and my co-founder we were going to web summit which is like the biggest tech conference in the world now and i was telling my mom about this and she's like jokingly like oh you guys are gonna have to put something crazy on your heads to get noticed and and you're like oh actually that's a good idea that's a really good idea and i have a friend who's a crown maker uh brigitte stroden and she makes these incredible modernized versions of these crowns and I asked her if we could borrow her crowns for the conference. She graciously offered them to us. And for the first day at Web Summit, we didn't put them on. And we were just so totally lost. For anyone who's ever been to Web Summit, you know how crazy it is. Yeah. And how, like, there's so many people. You just, you're like a sheep in a herd that's just being herded totally. from one end to pictures, the other. If, if you're American, picture South by Southwest. You can picture, I mean, if you're European, you know Web Summit. But if you're... <laughs> If you're American, picture South by Southwest. I'm not sure what the equivalent is in Asia. Maybe you know. I don't know. Um, but, yeah. And a yeah. lot of people. So, I mean, the first day was just terrible. Like, we didn't know who to talk to or how to strike up a conversation. There are just so many people. And then the second day, we put on the crowns. And all of a sudden, we didn't have this problem anymore because people were coming to us. Yeah. Um, so that was really helpful. And then it was also, so it's an icebreaker. Um, they're also Latvian, so we get to talk about our heritage wherever we go. And, and then that's, that's, we did that for Web Summit and then came back to Latvia for DFF and I wasn't wearing the crown there. And then like everyone freaked out, like, no, you've got to wear the crown. <laughs> so ever since then, it's just become a thing where like we always have these crowns. This is Marcy Murray. I'm the director of support for Shopify. And Shopify is a company that's making commerce better for everyone. Based in Ottawa, Canada, Shopify has never actually really made me feel like uh, they own me or my time. I, I will say that. Like, they, they have a ton of trust in me. They, I have a ton of autonomy in uh, what I do. And um, I've never felt like they owned me any more than I, I was when I was running my own business. And and maybe that's why it works, right? Like Shopify is the platform for entrepreneurs and I am through and through an entrepreneur. So maybe it just works that way. You know, maybe we found each other for the right reasons. I love this. And are you responsible at all for hiring or is that not your part of it? I mean, I, I once upon a time I was working, you know, once upon a time, like five and a half years ago, I was working on um, hiring specifically for the front line because we are still trying to figure out like the operational engine and the right way of actually, you know, crafting our interview cadence for frontline uh, people, uh, the gurus that we were hiring. So I've been involved in hiring at all levels of support um, my entire career at Shopify. And now I do still hire. I'm not in, ter in terms of the talent acquisition piece, like the, the recruitment and sourcing and ex uh, candidate experience type. That's not necessarily in my domain, but I am a hiring manager for some um, for some roles, and uh, I do participate in interview processes and that. And kind of bringing it back to the beginning now, and thanks everyone like for being patient with me. I just find I find your why um, so magnetic that I couldn't like let go of the why to go. Let's go through the timeline, you know. Like <laughs> I'm just like. I'm just like really in love with your why. Your your why for me feels so strong. Like you are so grounded into who you are and why you do what you do. I find it really beautiful. Thank you. Um, so, okay, going back to the, how, how long have you been with Shopify now? Uh, almost seven years. So you had a career as a wedding planner amongst other things from time to time for 10 years. And now you've been with Shopify seven years. Mm -hmm. Like you had 
tons of lives. <laughs> um, and how many employees was it when you first started? Oh, just in and around 100, I think. So still sizable, but nowhere where it is today. And how many are employees are there now? Uh, at Shopify, I think we, I can't remember the last number that we publicly disclosed. <laughs> it's it's Do in a the, low the, number then. It's in the multiples of thousands. Okay, that's perfect. <laughs> so in the thousands, from the hundreds to the thousands. And how, what have you noticed about um, how you've had to adapt to the culture shift as it as it's grown? Has it been a natural process for you? Or did you have any kind of learning um, experiences in there to, to morph into it? scaling up with it oh my goodness yes and and I will forever right like every day that I do this is bigger than the day that I did it before so if I'm I'm totally kidding myself and removing any possibility of um, you know tremendous growth if I ever think that I've got it figured out I'm Tammy Bielen, founder and CEO of Workplaceless. We create learning programs that help remote workers and teams thrive. There are so many frameworks for running remote teams that have seen success. Like there are many, many companies now and many more companies are are exploring the benefits of remote work. So I don't think that there's one one size fits all approach to uh, to running a remote company, but there are best practices. Um, and one of those best practices, of course, is having an actual remote work policy. So while we don't really talk about, you know, a sort of one size fits all approach to running your company, um, one of the universal recommendations and requirements should be having an actual remote work policy. And there are very specific components to that policy um, that any company should have if they have anybody working remotely. Um, and the saying goes that if you have one remote team member, then you have a remote team. At, at just one member, you're already, you've already become like a remote company. That's yeah, cool. you can well, become a remote company fast. You can come a remote uh, company fast, and really, that saying really it demonstrates, I think, to teams that if you have at least one person who's not in the that centrally located office, then you have to consider what processes you have to put into place to making their experience productive, um, but then also having them be you know, a contributive member of the entire team. Um, so if you just have one person who's working offsite, then you need to have a remote work policy. And and why running remote? Why was that the, I mean, other than obvious reasons being that you're passionate about remote, but why that one? Yeah, so one of the um, exciting things about, you know, the fact that remote work is becoming more and more popular is that there are many more conferences now than there used to be. And one of the things that sets running remote apart from other conferences is the level of questions um, and the level of topics that we'll be talking about at the conference. So some of the questions will be much more geared towards um, larger companies as opposed to small companies that are just starting out. And so we'll be addressing, you know, some really complex topics like 
probably talk about, you know, how to scale uh, an engineering team or how to hire well, um, you know, if you are scaling and really growing your company really quickly. And then all of the crazy things that can accompany growth like that. Um, So HR and compliance issues and tax issues. So all of those questions um, are really interesting to me, um, and they'll also be of interest to the audience at the conference. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.